It's the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Hey, welcome to episode 28, the Ty Domi edition of the podcast. This guy was a cult hero for Maple Leaf fans with his truculence, testosterone, and pugnacity in pretty much fighting anybody on the opposing team that dared challenge him. The most famous clip from him came when he took on a Flyers fan from the penalty box, leading Harry Neal to exclaim, Watch the lawsuit, Ty! Watch the lawsuit! Leaf fans sure do love their try-hard, not overly talented players, and that was Ty Domi. No offense, Ty. Don't beat me up. Please? Please? When I started this podcast many moons ago, I named it the H-Dog Pod, which was a clever acronym, brag, meaning Hound Dog on Golf plus other diatribes. As it turns out, I haven't talked golf in an incessant, good word, amount of time, but with the PGA Tour returning, I discussed it with my previous guest, Kristen Murphy, and now my next guest, we delve into it as well. And uh, don't worry, for those who hate golf, we talk about other stuff, kinda, maybe, perhaps, hopefully. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Okay, and now welcome on Jamie Rydell. He's one of the two co-hosts, as opposed to two of the two co-hosts of the Bump and Run podcast along with a past guest, Bob Weeks, where they talk all things golf. He's a producer at TSN. He's worked at several Masters events and also figure skating competitions for the network. With the PGA Tour back into the swing of things, good pun. I thought it'd be great to have him on. Welcome to the H-Dog Pod, Jamie. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you about some golf. And so I guess, you know, no better way to start than the first tour event at last weekend's Charles Schwab Challenge. What do you think about it, especially with there being no fans there? I lost you. What's that? Oh, no. Hello? Sad. You're back. Oh, I'm you back? Hear you yeah, I can hear you. Gone? I lost you. I lost you for like uh, <laughs> two seconds there. <laughs> I, thought, yeah, I, I was thought, like, where'd you go? <laughs> I thought you were just joking because uh, just before this uh, interview, we were talking about how phones going in and out. I totally thought you were just screwing <laughs> me. That actually it did go up for two right? seconds? It actually happened. I actually lost you for two seconds. You were about to ask me about the Charles Schwab <laughs> Challenge. And I'm like, where'd everybody go? I like look at my phone. I'm like, nope, I'm still going. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. We literally, literally, like seconds before this uh, interview started, we were joking about how you know it's really funny to leave stuff in if if stuff screws up. Technology is bad nowadays. Blah blah blah. And then it happens. Uh, 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 that's amazing. So, yeah. Oh wow. Couldn't be any more apropos. Good word. Uh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I was saying the Charles Schwab challenge. Uh, what did you think of the the first tournament, uh, especially with there being no fans? It was weird with no fans. I won't lie. Um, but you know, again, like it was good to have some live sports back and with the field that they had there with, uh, with the top five guys in the world. Um, and, and just, it was loaded. It was a loaded field, loaded leaderboard. And, you know, there, it was some really nice golf played until the last few holes when guys did, you know, the wind kind of picked up in the final round, but, uh, it, it definitely was weird without the fans because and I, and I take back to the perfect example was Sun Kang mm-hmm. with the hole in one mm-hmm. and like dead silence. Uh, that was uh, first round, first round. He, and he didn't even know it was in because yeah, that's, that's hilarious. You know, the ca- one of the camera, one of the TV cameramen um, told him it was in. So it, it was, it was strange to have no fans, but you know, it was nice to see the best guys out there and performing at their highest level. And just nice to have golf back because mm-hmm. we've been missing, 
you know, live sports in general, but especially some golf as, as we are both golf fans. Yeah, it's been three months since uh, the, the first round of the Players' Championship in March was canceled after that. Uh, one of the highlights for me, uh, he only played the first two rounds, but Phil Mickelson's sunglasses I thought were just electric. Right from the right from the Chips collection, the John, not the Ponch collection, he was the, from the John Chips collection. Yes. Um, <laughs> just classic it's just when he walks in when he when he showed him walking in with the coffee he's got his you know because the coffee is 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 medicine for him and 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 the sunglasses it's just like it's just awesome like him him coming onto social media was like one of the great things for golf yeah and he just keeps he just keeps rolling with it now now we got these shades and just classic classic Phil. He wasn't very good on the course though, but at least he had the strong shade game. I love that the start of that broadcast, the very first round on Thursday, John Rahm chipped in and playing uh, partner Brooks Kepka uh, said a swear and (laughs) the very first highlight and Jim Nance had to be like, oh, sorry everyone. Uh, As you could hear, um, you're able to hear the players a little bit better than usual. Uh, I apologize for that. Oh, I just thought that was amazing. Just get used to it, sports fans, because it's going to happen in every sport. In every sport, it's going to happen more um, because there's nobody drowning out a chip like that with lots of tears. I, I think it's, I love it. Like, I know it's probably not great. The CRTC is probably not happy about it. Mm. It's just that's the raw emotion of, of sport. And I can't imagine what's going to be heard in a hockey when hockey gets going again. Get used to it. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's just funny. The, uh, what I also love about uh, when there's swear words like that is when the uh, the hosts like Jim Nance have to apologize for it. Yeah. As if, you know, the, the, that kid ha- watching that golf round hasn't heard that from their parents, you know, I approximately know. 183 times uh, in the last I day. It's, uh, it's, just, it's just so funny. Uh, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> who do you have for the RBC Heritage? Uh, who do you think is going to win uh, amongst the big guys? Also top See, five yeah. leaderboard there. Yeah, like the, it's, it's all top five. It's eight of the top ten. Again, the, the strength of field – um, as far as the official world golf rankings is the highest of a regular PGA tour event. Um, as of, as of Monday was 74 points to the winner and it was the highest in a while. Um, as opposed to the majors and the WGCs, but, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be tough because a lot of these guys don't play at Harbor town mm-hmm. often. Um, you got guys like Ricky and, and Sergio that haven't played there in a while. You know, DJ plays every year, but Rory hasn't played there since he was a rookie. You know, I gotta, I, I, I gotta think that you know a guy like Rory McIlroy will play well there. Um, again, just the way he hits it. Um, I know he had his slip ups on Sunday at the at the Charles Schwab Challenge, but you know, if he could just figure out that final round, like it's amazing that he hasn't been out of the top five yet. Because his ranking in the final round scoring is like a hundredth, mm-hmm. but he's like first, third, and fourth in the other three rounds on tour. And again, I think he—I—I I, I would suspect that he's not happy with that Sunday performance and wants to write it right away. And um, you know, I think a guy like Rory is perfect like that. I think anybody, you know, I—I I, I like a guy like Corey Connors' game for that place too, with mm-hmm. where he could just where he just hit the fairways again. Harbortown, not the lengthiest of courses um, as it was at, at colonial as well. So, um, but there's lots more trouble at Harbor town than colonial. So um, a guy like Rory, who just hits nothing to quote Phil Mickelson bombs and hits it straight um, and then hits such precise iron shots. 
again, we, as we said with Rory a ton of times on our podcast and, and talking and talking to his golf fans is if he could putt half as better, half better than he does normally, he'd win all the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, I hate to pick, uh, one of the top players in the world, but again, I just, he just was in such command of his game before the break. So I don't expect to see him slip at all. What I find weird about Rory is it almost feels like criminally, uh, that he doesn't win enough because he's always there, especially right. in the five straight top tens. He has, he hasn't had a win in 2020. I know he won at the end of 2019 in, in China, but it just seems yeah. weird that like Rory, I guess we got so spoiled with Tiger winning pretty much all the time when he was up there. Right. You know, we just expect Justin Thomas like last week, and I thought he was going to do great on Sunday, and he sort yeah. of fell off. Jordan Spieth, same thing. Rory, because we're so spoiled with how amazing Tiger Woods was, we right. just expect these guys to win every single time, and it's just so damn hard. Right, it is so damn hard, and it, it just goes to show you how good Tiger Woods was um, because he was able to close these out. The GOAT. Seemingly at will, whereas... The, these new guys who are great players, they're all great players, Brooks and, and Rory and JT, they're all great players, but they play great in spurts. And then there are spurts where they're not so not so great. Like Kepka was a world beater, you know, then he hurts his knee and, you know, he he finally made a cut. He had missed, he had missed a bunch of cuts um, uh, before Colonial. And, you know, DJ was horrible last week, horrible. Mm-hmm. Like completely. Like not undue, way on DJ. Like, like he was awful. Like just every part of his game was terrible, and he missed the cut. Um, and Rory is the epitome of streaky golf. Like he is such a good player. Like he's uber talented, and probably the best player in the world. All he needs is to putt better. Every every other aspect of his game is just like from tee to green. He's best in the world. And but he's but they're all streaky. They win in streaks. You know, JT won a whole bunch of tournaments in a short period of time, then didn't win for a bit. Now he's won twice in this year, not in the calendar year, but in this year. And and the same with, like, Jordan Spieth won a whole ton and then went three years without one. And, well, still hasn't won. Um, hasn't won since the Open. Like, it's crazy. It's wild. Um, it's, it's just a testament to how good Tiger Woods really is to be able to win consistently at that level. And, and it's also a testament to how many good players there are in the world these days. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely insane. You, uh, you mentioned a couple of guys that I actually picked. I've been writing for sports dime.com for the last couple of years uh, for, I do mm-hmm. a, a lot of golf picks and actually just started, uh, this will be my second article for TSN.ca, uh, making golf picks, uh, betting golf picks for people or, or at least giving them advice on who to bet on or, or who to stay clear of. And uh, you mentioned a couple of guys actually that I, I uh, had written in the article, and which is Dustin Johnson forty to one this week. I think that's an auto bet. Any single time you get him at forty oh to one, God. you always take that bet every single time because he's he was yep. a fifty four hole leader there last year before yep. a bad final round. Corey Connors as well. You you said he's like a hundred uh, hundred ten to one this week. Uh, you know, wasn't the periphery of contention at Colonial and uh, mm-hmm. the third in greens and regulation on the tour. I think he has a good shot, just like you said. Of the big names, I have Bryson DeChambeau. He's finished top three and top four there, along with two missed cuts. Uh, and he's very streaky. He's been, he's been unbelievable lately as well, although he hasn't won on the PGA Tour in two years, which is kind of crazy, I right. think, as well. Crazy, yeah. And then uh, and the other two I have... distance, like crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. He's bulked up like crazy. It's uh, it's absolutely wild. And the, the other two I have are uh, Brandon Grace at 50-1. to 1. He won there in 2016. He had a chance on Sunday last week. And crazy deep dive with... Likely not to win, but Luke Donald, 
five runner-ups there and two uh, third-place yeah. finishes, which is nuts. Finished T11 yeah. in his last tournament. Uh, for some reason, that course just brings, brings it the best of him in him. Yeah, horses for courses there. Another guy I like is, um, and I know he didn't play well last week, but Webb Simpson's had just a, an amazingly consistent year. Yep. And Except for the one week I picked he, him in my, in my golf pool. Yeah, yeah, and he missed the cut. Great, cool, did, awesome. Did you pick him this past week? Oh, yeah, sure did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, too bad. Well, he's not. He's never missed a cut at Harbortown, so, <laughs> um, and he's he's been in contention. I think he lost a playoff there. Yep, um, to um, He's another guy that could do something this week. Uh, I, I feel like anytime, every single time, I actually believe in Webb Simpson. I remember a couple of years ago at Phoenix, I picked him as well, and he missed the cut also. Anytime, because I don't necessarily love Webb, he always breaks my heart because when you pick him, I picked him, he's done nothing at all, and vice versa, and all of a sudden he wins a player's championship or something, and it's like, oh, God. So, yeah, he's frustrating uh, to, to pick him in fantasy, especially when he misses the cut. Actually, all three guys I picked last week, John Rahm seemed to be an auto bet because he uh, yeah. was doing great. He missed a cut. Ryan Palmer, a uh, member at Colonial, uh, started under. off hot, missed a cut. Webb Simpson missed a cut. I was like, oh, boy, here we go. Great start. You know, Weeksy was uh, – we had a we had a we in our chat this morning, and uh, – and we, she said, like on his draft kings, that's like he, uh, Ryan Palmer was one of the most guys on his draft kings. Yeah. On draft kings this weekend, miscut, miscut. <laughs> just, it's just so unpredictable golf. Uh, I mentioned off the top oh, that is. you uh, worked at the Masters tournaments at Augusta National. Uh, how mm-hmm. cool is it? Yep. Obviously, it's cool there, but tell us about Augusta National and uh, just the greatest uh, parts of, of, of being there. You know, I, it's been every year since. To the year after Wiersley won, 2004. So it's been a while, and I never get – it's one of those things you never get tired of. I love uh, – I will hold on to that gig until they take it away from me. Sure. And it's such a – you know, it's such a cool place. And, and you know, I remember the first year I was there, we actually went a week early. So we were there the Wednesday before the week of the Masters because Wiersley had won, and we were granted a whole bunch of – extra access by Augusta National because we were Canadian rights holders. And, you know, so like the first time I stepped on the property, I'm walking everywhere. So for those that don't know, well, anybody that watches the Masters knows that on Amen Corner, you know, there's no fans in behind there at all. Um, and you can't get back there. So they, they rope everything off and you, 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 walk, you walk around Amen Corner. Well, I was on Hogan Bridge and I was back on 12, back on the 13th team. We were doing all this shooting. And, you know, we even got to shoot in the champion's locker room, which, which again, you know, you think it's a massive, amazing thing. But it's it's a, it's a pretty small place, but it's pretty cool, right? Because it's you see the lockers and you have all you have all the lockers are there and of all the champions. And, you know, knowing that you're not able to be like nobody's allowed in there unless you're a champion, except we except we were. So like that was my first experience at Augusta was all this crazy access, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. And so then the whole week went through and, and Phil won and you never get sick of it. Like it's I was sad when we didn't go in April and I can't wait till November. But, uh, you know, one of the coolest things about Augusta, even if you're a fan there is how affordable everything is that you can get. You know, they really take care of the patrons there. They don't gouge you for prices like other tournaments. It's a cool experience if you can get in. And it's and it, they make it a cool experience because it's so exclusive, right? You, you know, you go, into a, you go into a lottery and, 
you try and you, you try and get tickets, and when you get tickets, it's for a practice run, but it doesn't matter because you're going to Augusta and you're going to walk it. And you know, you when you get there for the first time, you'll be you're amazed at how how hilly it is. Like the the drop from the top by the clubhouse down to Amen Corner is like the is is hundreds of feet of of drop and but it's the the best you know we don't get to do this anymore because we don't get to shoot the ceremonial tee shot because they do it all themselves now but when we the thursday morning we would be there at a ridiculous hour 6 30 in the morning nobody's there you know walking up and but it's the coolest time to do it so you walk we're walking up from the tv compound towards the first tee where we're going to shoot you know jack and arnie and it was Gary, jack arnie and gary player with the ceremonial tee shot. Now, obviously, Arnie's passed, and it's only Jack and Gary Player. But that walk up when nobody's on the course, the sun's just coming over the pines, and it's so peaceful, and you know in about an hour that it's going to be nothing but chaos and buzz and Augusta roars and fans everywhere, and and we're getting the Masters going. That's one of the coolest that was one of the coolest times that I that I just couldn't wait to get back to that. Um, it's it's just uh, it's it's a great tournament. I love covering it. It's so pristine that place. TV doesn't do it justice. They try, but it's it really is amazing um, that tournament. And again, you know, they're going to have to wrestle it away from me. Did before, you uh, did you win the media pass? Like, did you did you get I, a chance to play? I did in 2010. Uh, me and our one of our co-workers, Puffy, Sean Cameron, I was just gonna bring associate him up, yeah. producer there. We played together. So that was even uh, that was that was cool. Um ten thousand dollars a hole, I hope. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I uh you know <laughs> we get to the first so you play the members tees. Um so we were playing with it was me and Puffy and we were wearing matching uh like Joker purple shirts, T S N shirts. We did that on purpose, matching shirts, and um, and we played with this Italian guy who had just covered it one year, and he was a European tour, former European tour player, Costantino Luca player. No, not nobody you would know. Matteo Manassero. I don't even remember the guy's name, but it, pardon me, Matteo Manassero. Manassero. No, he was up probably in the tournament though. <laughs> then, as a young as a youngster, but um, and then we played with Shane O'Donnell, who's a golf broadcaster. Oh yeah, Irish guy. We're at the first tee, and you know the, those two went first. They striked them both. Shane's a pretty good player. He, he had to leave early, but he he made three birdies. But he also made he, you know he's like he is like us where we make the big number. The Italian guy shot seventy three, didn't make a birdie, made one bogey. Wow, uh, was pretty impressive. And um, so those two strike it. So then I get up, boom, right down the middle. So now Puffy sit there. All three of us have hit it right down the middle on one on top of the hill. And he, he actually laced it right down too. So it was, uh, it was, um, we had a perfect day, like perfect sunny day. My caddy was awesome. Uh, his name was Rowdy Gaines. I remember his name. He, he was, he was, a he's a web.com tour caddy at times. And he was hung over as, <laughs> It's anything. <laughs> Rowdy Gaines? Well, if you, if you have a Rowdy name like Gaines, that, yeah. you, you have to be hungover every day. I feel, oh, I feel yeah. Like a name he was, like that. He's a, I think it, he was he was great. Like, honestly, by the second hole, he was just handing me clubs. And half the time, I didn't know what I was hitting. But he'd just say, okay, 
here's your take this half swing or three quarter swing. I'm like, okay, I just did everything he said. It was amazing. <laughs> That's cool. So yeah, we did play. I had, like every one of our TSN guys have played now. Um, there was a time Corey Warren was the first. I got to play. I got to get there. Um, oh, yeah. So fun. Yeah, it's 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 um it was a cool experience, and I'm we're actually back in. I haven't put my name back in, but uh, I can put it back in because you every seven years. So once you're once you're in, it's seven years later hmm. that you can go back in. But like me, I remember we were. When Puffy and I got the invite because they give you a little envelope that says what time your tea time and don't come before, don't come any earlier than 15 minutes before, you know, at that time. So when Corey did it, it wasn't really an, an event. They've now made it an event. So you drive up Magnolia Lane, drop your clubs off, go into the clubhouse. There's breakfast there. You change in the champion's locker room. So they'll assign you a locker. Me and Puffy had Tommy Aaron's locker. Um, and then you go out and you can hit balls on the brand new range. The the range was pretty new. I think it was I think it was the first year of the new range when we played. And then you go out and you play. And it was so it was so, it was so cool. Obviously, like it's a it's a surreal experience. I'm glad I got to have it. If I don't have it again, it's not a big deal. And I'm glad like when we got it, Weeksy was like 0 for 15. <laughs> Like we were calling him the Susan Lucci of the, of the of the Masters media draw because he would never win. He went to 0 for 21, oh, and then so this is a great story. Actually, sorry, I keep I keep going with stories. I remember weeks he said, "Yeah, I don't think any of our people got it." And I was talking to Lee Bennett, who's who's our international media uh, liaison. He's the he runs the international center international media. And we were just talking about uh, about playing because he asked me if I played, and I said, "Yeah, we played a few years ago." And I go, "I just feel bad for Weezy because he's over. He's never played. He's been here 21 times. We call him this, and then all of a sudden he had an envelope in his hand. Then I'm like, I swear that I, I, I when I said that to the guy, that he they gave him a spot, but <laughs> I, I, I don't have any corroboration on that." <laughs> but we were pretty sure that nobody won him, and when he won, it was yeah, it was awesome. Oh yeah, he um, he mentioned that uh, story when he was on the, my podcast uh, episodes ago. Oh, so I'm uh, repeat. I'm a repeat customer. Well, sorry, no, 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 no. He didn't say that part of the story. He just said that he was called the Susan Lucci of uh, of of right. playing, which was you know, obviously very funny. There were guys, Cam Cole, who's a uh, a writer, uh, retired writer, longtime golf writer for the Globe. He uh, he played three times, so. When it first started, you could play it once, and that was it. So once you played, it was it. But then they lifted that, and now you could do it every seven years. So he played. I'm pretty sure that he played. And so the next year, they changed it. And then a couple years later, he played. And then right near the end, he played. So he, he's played it like three times, and we hadn't even played it at all. Damn. Lucky guy. Holy crap. So, <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah, so now all the TSN people have played it. With Bob Weeks, uh, do you have any uh, preferably R-rated stories, uh, your favorite Bob Weeks story uh, working with him? Oh, man. So we got, Weeks and I, we got a lot of stories. So uh, <laughs> I, I assume I could swear on your podcast? Absolutely. You're okay, encouraged. so my first, my first U.S. Open, we had a few. Um, so it was me and Weeksy and Farhan Lalji and our cameraman was Mark Millette and, uh, we were, so we had Mark Millette in our cart and it's on Bethpage. 
So if you've never been to Bethpage, they got they got the there's a highway that goes in between the course because it's in a park. It's a, it's a, it's a New York State park, and so they got a few holes on the one side, and then the rest are on the other side. So there's only two ways in. Two paths to get down the front side, and two to get on the on the uh, on the back side. So we're waiting at the top of the hill, at behind the 14th green, which then they go across the street to 15, and then they play the rest: 15, 16, 17, and 18. And it's it's New York, right? So the the colorful language is everywhere. Mm-hmm. So that was the that was the tournament where Sergio was getting roasted for the regrips. 2002 and yeah by the new york crowd it was crazy that it it basically ruined him like he was frustrated and so we're at the top of the hill and then somebody yells down because nobody's moving hey what the fuck's the hold up (laughs) and somebody who's right at the front of the rope yells back tom kites in the (laughs) so another minute goes by tom kite comes out of the porta potty and to a to an ovation, standing ovation, and he's just like looking around, going, "What the fuck is going on here?" <laughs> and then one guy goes, "Hey, Tom, was it number one and number two? <laughs> and he just kept walking on, and then they opened their gates, and everybody's good. Man, at Southern Hills, we had our golf cart stolen in the final round after Goosen had won, and we were about to do our stand up, and Ryan Rashog was like chasing him down. When we finally found out who the, because it had our, it had camera gear that we needed on it to shoot our standups. And we're, it's all four of us are running around the course trying to find this golf cart. And then finally Rashad tackled the guys or chased them down and Damn. told them to get the fuck out of the cart. <laughs> uh, at uh, Baltusrol in 05 PGA, we got Mike Weir was not in a good mood and he blamed us for his poor play. And and his caddy, Butchie, who's now the caddy for Gary Woodman, Brennan Little, he goes, he comes up to us, he goes, don't worry about him. He was just pissed off. He was either going to get mad at you or he's going to get mad at me. I'm just glad he got mad at you guys. (laughs) (laughs) U.S. Open this year is going to be at wing foot. Actually, I wanted to ask you Mm -hmm. a a trivia question because I know, uh, you know, you're a vault of information just like I am for golf. This one's good. If you can get this one, I'm very impressed. Okay. So, like I said, uh, Wingfoot's going to be, hopefully, the U.S. Open is being played here uh, in 2020. Uh, mm-hmm. Last time they played there was in 2006. Who was the 54-hole leader of that event? Oh, I believe it was oh, no, you're Kenneth Ferry. Not- oh, yeah, I was just going to say, I, right? I could sense that you knew that. Uh, and I was like, oh, no, I thought that's like the one name that nobody knows. But you got it, Kenneth there's Ferry. A whole, yeah, there's a whole bunch. And it, that, that whole time, like, I, again, I was at that one as well, so. I got a good story for that one, if I if you have time for it. Sure. So, you know, we obviously we, we just did an essay on it, reflecting on Phil Mickelson, the U.S. Open's bride bridesmaid, who's been runner up there six times, and this was the worst one. You know, he was beaten all the other times. This one, he beat himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're all so he's on eighteen, and he's got the one shot lead, and we're all back in behind. 18th green where they had the, the flash quote area for when players they finish they come up and so phil's on the 18th hole and we're all we're all hoping he makes par but when he when he hits that drive we're just like crap a bogey means 
an 18-hole playoff the next day and everybody's making new plans, right, to cover an 18-hole playoff, which I hated that format from the get-go. Yeah, it's terrible. So so he's on that hole. Nobody knows what he, you know, we know what he's done, but his family has it. So Amy and his kids are are coming up and they're going out towards the green to greet him, right? Because this is his win, right? This is This is his magic moment. He's always wanted to win the U.S. Open. And it's now the one that he hasn't won of all been, the majors. Would have been three straight majors that he would have won too. That's right. He would have. They were talking. We were talking Phil Slam at that point. And so, you know, this, everybody knows the story. Hits a branch on his second shot. Hits it in the plugs it into the bunker. Fried egg in the on his third shot. And as soon as he hit that bunker shot and rolled it way away, and we everybody knew he was going to double bogey. We were like, okay, fine. All of a sudden, you see. And the kids scurrying out and getting right out of there. They come in because they were ready for the coronation, and then they got mm. right the heck out of there as soon as he blew up. <laughs> it was hilarious. It's almost like uh, Mark Wahlberg at the uh, the Patriots Super Bowl against the Falcons. He he claims uh, his his kid was sick, and that's why he had to leave at halftime and all this stuff. Right. Blah blah blah. No 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 no. You no. left because your Patriots were getting smashed, and you They're thought you were, you weren't going to win the game. Get out of here. And the funny thing about that moment was. Both me and Weeksy noticed it. I don't know how many more of the media noticed it, honestly. And there would only be a certain amount of people that were actually back there Brag. to actually notice that moment. We just remember them walking out there, and then we watch him hit that bunker shot, and all of a sudden they come chasing on by. It was, it was, <laughs> it's one. Of, it's a moment that you know we share as just me and him because we don't know how many people actually remember that or know that's or notice them. Going, coming and going, but it was pretty damn funny about uh, about Wingfoot. But uh, you know that whole that whole tournament with nobody made par on the 18th hole. Yeah, except, except for Ogilvy. Jeff Ogilvy, yeah. and he won. And he chipped in on 17, which came out of nowhere yep. as well. I remember that yep. was my first highlight pack at TSN. Uh, was I, I was helping out. Sorry, I was helping out James Tone, who was doing the pack. But I was clipping for him and, and you know taking in uh, the, the the round. And of course, uh, Jeff Ogilvy was a name, but there was no way he would ever <laughs> be in that highlight pack. And all of a sudden, it's like. Oh crap! Jeff Ogilvy's going to win this thing. We better like show some show uh, some shots of him uh, earlier in the round. So we we're sort of scrambling to get some stuff in, especially when he chipped in on seventeen. It was like, whoops! Right. We obviously it was like Phil and Harrington and Furyk and Monty right. and all these other names. It wasn't uh, we. We weren't caring, uh, uh, you know, obviously about about him or whatever. Mickelson didn't have a three wood in the bag that week because he was t- he was playing the two driver system mm-hmm. at the time. One slice driver, one hook driver. So. Ideally for him, because of the the rough was thick that year, he should have just hit a three wood out there, right, and played for par. And he couldn't because he didn't have a three wood in the bag. So he kind of outsmarted. You know, Phil is always trying to outsmart things, right? So, but he kind of outsmarted himself on that one. All right, tee shot for Mickelson. Doesn't like this one. Going way left, way way left. I I still am in shock that I did that. I just I just can't believe that that I did that. I'm I am uh, such an idiot. That next year the uh, I'll, I'll try to stump you on this one. The next year the 2007 okay. U.S. Open that Al Cabrera won. I love that guy. Yep, Oakmont. Uh, who was the 54 hole leader for that one? Stephen Ames. Aaron Baddeley led by two over Tiger going into that final round, and Ames was tied for oh. third going into that final round. Okay. Yes, I thought he was in the final group that year. That must have been a PGA championship then. Yes. That P- the yes. PGA that you're talking about that he was in the final uh, He was in the final group. But, yeah. Definitely. Um, I, was at, I was at that one too. Who would, you, who would be your ideal golf uh, foursome 
living or dead. That oh. they don't they don't have to be golfers either. They could be whoever you want. Uh, you and three other people. Who would the, uh, those three pl- uh, players be? Holy cow! I don't think I've ever thought about this. Oh, great question. Then. Um, they don't have to be golfers. Nope. It can be anybody you want, anyone you want. First off, I'd play with Weeksy. Oh no! We've never played with Weeksy though. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't I, play I, with them all uh, that often. No, I'm gonna. I'm, not allowed I'm, to vetoing, I'm vetoing that one. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm veto. <laughs> I would love. I would love to play with uh, Henrik Stenson. Yeah, because be the guy is hilarious, mm-hmm. and I think you just have a blast. Um, I would love to play with Hogan. Michael Harrison. Oh, Hogan. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Third one. For me, uh, I have my three here. I would say John Daly, of course, my favorite golfer. Well, John and, Daly, and, and for greatest, sure, for you. Greatest golfer of all time. Charles Barkley would be hilarious, I think, to play with. Barkley would be good. I'd and like to play with Steph. Steph Curry. Steph Curry, that'd be great, too, yeah. And my third one would be at Serena Williams. Uh, just to round out that foursome, I think that'd be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. Barkley would be fun to play with. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. No, that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, I mentioned off the top of the the this episode um, – that you are involved in figure skating for TSN. Uh, yeah. What's your role with that? Crazy, and then Tessa Virtue, Scott Moyer, uh, how cool are they? Uh, uh, they seem like beauties. They are great people. It's it's uh, so. I'm basically the, the. I do a little bit of producing of the show. I just started of uh, doing that, and I do backstage. Um, so I have actually. It's been. Oh wow! It's been like ten years. So. The Olympics, I was the venue producer for figure skating for uh, the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver. And so I've gotten to know some of the athletes pretty well. It's crazy. Like, I do golf, I do CFL, and I do figure skating. Like, there's no cohesion there at all. At all. And um, they are – so I've become pretty good friends with Scott Moyer. And they're obviously elite, okay? They, they're, they're the Sidney Crosby of their sport. Right. And they're just such great people. Like you don't always get that with superstars. Some superstars are assholes, right? Mm-hmm. We all know this. Some yeah. are great. Like they that. are just great people. They worked with us a couple of years uh, before their last comeback um, uh, when they won their last Olympic gold and working with them for those two years, doing their con the, doing content for them was amazing. And uh, you know, I've really gotten to know them both well and especially Scott they're, you know, amazing athletes and obviously uh, the most decorated figure skaters in Olympic history um, and great people. So um, I know they had their, they, they, they got their walk of fame and I went to both of their walk of fame ceremonies, one in London, one was in Italy, and when they did their home walk, walk of fames and, uh, you know, just the fact that they welcomed me, their whole families welcomed me in is is amazing so the moyer family is and the virtue family are 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 great people and great to drink with the moyer family especially oh um yeah interesting they like a couple of wobbly pops eh oh yeah i love them Uh, i'll get you out of here on this uh there's a game we often play every single night Uh, i always see you uh, competing in it uh hq trivia was a explosion it was huge a few years ago and then they they went away for about half a year or so uh there's some controversy in the company but they've since come back uh during this quarantine period uh have you ever won hq uh trivia at all i have uh twice um nothing i think the amount i think i amounted to a big win of like three well maybe 380 Something like that. I have won twice. I won a sports one once, hmm. and I won a regular one once. Um, and I played it all like well, you're on all the time, 
so we're playing at the same times usually. And, um, you know, I haven't played as much since it came back, but before that I was playing like every time it was on, like, it was just fun. I like trivia. I'm a trivia guy. And it's great. So it was, it was actually Hambone, Mike Marne, one of our coworkers who, who put me onto this at the gray cup in Ottawa. We were having lunch after we'd just done some hits in, in a restaurant and he said, yeah, you got to check this out. And I was like, so I, I did, I was helping him do his. And then after that, I was like, I was hooked for a long time there. And mm-hmm. so I did, I have one twice, um, uh, along, along with 11,000 other people. I did win a, a quite a number of times on a couple of different times, actually in the sports one. And then the actual, you know, regular trivia one, but it kind of didn't, it didn't feel really feel quite like I did it myself because I use like extra lives and all these different things. I know. But it got really crazy with the extra lives, yeah, right? Where you could just weird. use as many as you want. And it just, it just like got, everybody. And then when you could play for levels and you get like the first five questions, you just, all right. Out, it just kind of, it kind of takes away. It kind of takes away from it, right? When you get so many free questions, like what's the point? Yeah, exactly. So I never really truly felt, but there's two times. I think I made the actual final question without any help from anything, like maybe five or six times. I never, mm. I never got it done. But there's two different times I want to uh, highlight. One, I was in a, at a pub TKO's uh, uh, in Toronto here, one of my favorite uh, local dive spots back in the day, with my buddy and his wife. And I got through the first eleven questions. I was so pumped. And so we go to the final question, and I think here's my chance to finally win this because I hadn't won in forever. And I don't even know what the question was. It pops up and my buddy's wife was like, oh, I know the answer. I know the answer. And without even like basically she like she was certain she knew the answer. So I'm like, all right, I don't I literally have no clue what it is. So I picked the answer. Of course, it was wrong. I was pretty, Aww. pretty damn rattled. She hadn't even tried to help the first 11 questions at all. And all of a sudden she's like, oh, I know. I know what I'm like. No, no, no. Yeah, that sucks. And then the other time was uh, I want to see if you know this answer. Actually, I was in the final okay. question myself and it was a. Uh, in the, in the theme song, the Mr. Rogers uh, show, uh, is it, uh, it's a beautiful day in a neighborhood. Is it a beautiful day in the neighborhood or is it a beautiful day in this neighborhood? It's a beautiful day in the, it's the neighborhood. Is it not? That's what I picked. And I have a bunch of other people pick that too. It's actually, it's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, which uh, I could is not. Really? Yeah. Everyone got that one wrong. And I was so rattled because I thought this was, a, I was so certain. I picked the answer. I finally yeah. have it. They're all good. Boom, and then I lost, and I was pretty rattled, even though it only would have been like 20 cents or something. Yeah, exactly. But it's just to win it is like when you win it, you're like, oh, I don't even care that I won a dollar eleven because yeah, just I won it. Yeah, I did the sports one I got. I went all the way through with no lives. Um, and the other one that I won, I've been to, in the sports one, I've been to the final a few times. And the and, HQ words was a, a really fun one too. I, I really enjoyed that one. I never really got into the words one. Every once in a while, I would play that one. And then whatever that other new one they brought in late, late, um, I never really knew what it was, HQX or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, I know. I, I, don't even I never really understood it, so I never played it. But, uh, yeah. well, I, and again, right before we did this, I played. I think you were on there too, right? Yeah. I, 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 was, hoping both, we, uh, I was hoping we both would have won so we can uh, you know brag about that. But yeah, that would have been I, awesome, right? Early. Yeah. Yeah, I was out about I know, question five, I think. Yeah, I think it was four. Five so, or six. Yeah, I guess it turns out we weren't uh, so smart on that one, unfortunately. No. Well, thank you so much, Jamie, for being on the podcast, and uh, we you will talk it, to you soon, my friend. All right, pal. Good to talk to you. You too. Bang. 
That was a lot of fun talking to Jamie Rydell about all those golf stories in his career, plus Tessa Virtue and Scott Moyer, Canadian figure skating royalty. Here's hoping one day I'll be able to stroll down Magnolia Lane and see the blooming azaleas at Augusta National while I take down Jordan Spieth in an epic playoff at the 2038 Masters. That music is just so soothing, I can go to sleep listening to that. In fact, I might as well do that right now. Thank you for listening to episode 28 of the H-Dog Pod. Bang! This has been the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Bang! 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 It's gone back and forth. It's been pretty steady, but... Yeah. I don't know why, uh, just just last uh, few moments, your phone is like uh, making some weird noises or something. Oh, really? Yeah. Weird. With, with all the technology, like it's it's just what are you gonna do, right? <laughs>